Thank you, Lord. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this awesome, beautiful day that you've given us and this beautiful place to come and worship you, a place to finally call our own. And we we're so grateful for that, Lord, and we uh, look forward to all the wonderful things that you have in store the hearts and minds that you will touch in this place, Lord. We just ask that your anointing rest in this place and that your healing spring forth, that, that, that all the things that this uh, church was founded around, the acronym HELP, to heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. Help us, Lord, to do your will and help us first to receive that help ourselves so that we might in turn help others. Thank you for your word today, for causing it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Well, I had, I don't write sermons. I just, uh, I might jot down a thought or two or a couple of scriptures and things like that. And uh, last night, exhausted as I was, I was waiting on Tavana to get home. I sat down and just two things were in my mind. One was from, one was from Miss Cheryl, and I was so blessed just having met her up here yesterday, and we got to talking, and I think, I think uh, she and Andy preached me happy, I, I told them, and, and I left feeling good, but, but we were talking about, I don't know exactly what, maybe church, church size, getting people to come to church, stadium is filled with... <laughs> fans for sporting events and and things like that and and how a lot of the church has gone to the giant uh, mega church uh, setting you know which is fine I'm not against anyone they throw out a big net hopefully some will stay you know but um, I think I, I I said something to the effect that it was uh, is it's not a show you know for me and she she said it's about the word you know I think those were her exact words. It's about the word, you know. That's what matters, and that's that is the truth. Um, you can do all the other stuff, but without the word of God, nothing is uh, nothing is going to really help you. You know, it might entertain you, it might be a, a blessing to your life, but uh, it's not going to change you. You know, in your heart and in your mind, which is what where God wants to help us. In that soulish realm, you know, we're three-part beings, according to First Thessalonians five twenty-three: spirit, soul, and body. When we're born again, that that spirit is renewed. The old sinful nature, from the seed all the way from Adam to now, everybody's born with that corrupt nature that compels us to to agree with Satan and do whatever he really makes us do. So until you're saved, you really can say the devil made me do it in a sense. <laughs> but after that, your spirit is born again. He's evicted. The spirit of God is ushered in. He renews our spirit and seals it with the promised Holy Spirit. Right. So one third of our salvation is over. The very mind of Christ is right there. You know, everything that we ask in God for is six inches away. <laughs> but we have two other parts, the soul and the body. Well... Our soul is just our personality, really. Our mind, our will, our emotions. And that's the part that comes all screwed up. 
because we've been exposed to the world for so long and it's uh, in opposition with God. A friend of the world is an enemy of God because the world is run by Satan uh, temporarily. And uh, those of us who know the Lord are blessed to be in that protective bubble of salvation and has all the provision we need if we choose it. Amen. We still have that free will. Put garbage in and uh, garbage out. So we have to get rid of the garbage and all that stinking thinking and learn to agree with God, don't we? And the only way we can do that is through the Word. If once our mind and our will and our emotions, our soul lines up with the, with with what our, our born-again spirit says, which we can't discern with our natural senses. The only way we know what's in our spirit is by, by learning to let this Word read us and with the help of the Holy Spirit. But then this body will just follow suit. It's just a vehicle. And we're going to get a brand new one of these one day, aren't we? And then George said something to me. He said on the phone, we were talking about how I think, you know, what my passion is, is to is for everybody to come to know the Lord, and, uh, you know, to find what, what, I, what I've found in Him, you know. And uh, I was terrified to be so old when, when the Lord really got a hold of me, thinking... My wife and I both thinking that we were Christians all the while. That's what Mama and them said, you know. <laughs> we put up a Christmas tree, you know. <laughs> but we weren't. And so I want everybody to have this. And if anybody that really has a relationship with the Lord wants the same for everybody, you know. Even your worst enemy, you'd never wish hell on them if they really understood what that meant. But George and I were talking about how sad it is when you, you can just pour out your heart and, and soul and teach everything you possibly can think of that God will show you to help people, but they still have the choice. They have that, that free will, that mind and will and emotions, and they have the opportunity to choose the ways and the teachings and the consultation of the world, or they can choose God. And you can't, you can't force them in that regard. And George said, great things happen. He's learned that great things happen when you make God your only option. Isn't that what you said? Mm-hmm. And man, that's, that's the other thing that is, that is very true. And I've come to know that in my own life. That the times um, when I'm really complacent and I really just at a place where it's, uh, if you allow yourself, you can just kind of take it easy and uh, right here right now I don't really need God I'm doing pretty good you may not ever say that verbally but but we all go through those phases where right now I'm okay with this and then we tend to gravitate toward him when we need a miracle instead of learning to live the blessed life that he's provided for us through the atonement uh, you know because miracles are really not God's best (laughs) People, people look at me funny when I say that they're the best at the time, but it requires a crisis to, to have a miracle, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, we have to. And God, so, so, so many Christians are living crisis to crisis to crisis. And then they're crying out to God, please help. And that miracle is uh, definitely what you need at the time. <laughs> but God wants us to get to a place where we're living the blessed life, the abundant life. He said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And so we we go around and half of the three quarters of the church is teaching people that God is putting things on them that really was the devil's fault. So people stay mad at God for something the devil did and then they turn to who? The devil. The one who really did the things that they're angry about. So some bad teaching. Look over if you have your Bibles and we're going to go to Matthew today. Chapter 24. Matthew 24, verse 35. Tell me when you got it. Matthew 24, verse 35. Jesus speaking. And he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So, God's word is more stable than anything that we can see. You know, Tamana and I try to go at least once a year up to Colorado, to Andrew's ministry up there in the mountains, and you go to um, Woodland Park, which is way up by Pikes Peak, you know. So beautiful up there. And if you've ever been up on Pikes Peak in that silly cog rail, don't ride backwards if you do. But that, you know, it's just so immense. And you look out on these mountains and they're so massive and, and mighty, you know. Nothing stronger you can imagine. But God's Word is stronger than those mountains. Mm-hmm. Tavana and I, we like, to, uh, we like to go on cruises. And we've been, we've been some places... Uh, the Virgin Islands and Mexico and stuff like that, the Bahamas. But but that you can get out on the the ocean and there's always on those uh, on those uh, cruises there's a there's a time period when you're going to be at sea for a couple of days, you know. And you just think, my goodness, this is just huge, it goes forever. And I think about that, and we've only been to just a little tiny part of the world's oceans, and it's so massive, you know. And so deep and so vast, but God's word is is bigger. And when all that is gone, all the oceans, all the world, everything that we see and know by sight is going to be gone, all burned up. And the only thing that's going to last is this word. That's what Jesus said. So it's a it's a it's a real thing. That's what really matters is the word. Uh, Jesse Duplantis he tells a story about being. Uh, taken up to heaven in a vision. And uh, I, I believe him. Uh, we've got the close encounters of the God kind, the video and everything. Anyway, he describes seeing uh, some of the apostles up there in heaven. And uh, they have a street of their own. And, they're, and, they're, and uh, they said, what are they doing? He said, they're talking. And I don't, two of them, John and Peter or whoever. And they were just talking to each other. And they said, what, was he, what were they talking about? He said, the word. <laughs> They're still talking about the word. It's so it's so deep and so amazing that they were still <laughs> discussing the word. But anyway, that's a that's a cool thing. I want to look over here and just go a little further with this. Matthew chapter fourteen. Just back up a couple of pages into a familiar passage of scripture. And I want to talk about this for a second. You know where Peter walked on the water? 
Everybody's familiar with it if they haven't read it anyway. I'll just start in the 22nd verse. I'm just going to read a little bit. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. This is right after Jesus had fed the multitudes. This is the time he fed 5,000 with just a little sack lunch, you know. And, uh, and they were, he was probably tired and pressing in on him. And he told his disciples to get into a boat and go to the other side. And that's where we're at now, to get away. And, uh, and he dismissed the crowds. Verse 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. That's a good thing to do. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now listen, they should have already been over there. In another gospel, it tells that they gave him a little pushback when he told them to go. And uh, they probably, they were fishermen. They probably discerned the signs of the, of the, the weather, you know, and knowing it wasn't probably good time to go or wise but he made them go and so they went but anyway <laughs> they're rowing all night against the wind and the waves so forth but the boat by this time was a long way from the land beaten by the winds for the waves for the wind was against them and in the fourth watch of the night just before morning he came to them walking on the sea but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified and said it's a ghost and they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. <laughs> Praise God. Well, my whole point of this, I could, I could write another book about that passage of Scripture right there, but I just want to talk about the fact that he walked on the water it looked like it played peter walked on the water doesn't it mm -hmm. but you can't walk on water can you water i mean i've seen a leaf float on the water but it won't support our weight will it so what happened <laughs> really the truth be known, Peter was walking on the Word of God, wasn't he? Amen. He was walking on the Word of God. <laughs> the Word of God is more sure than anything that we see. And not to put our trust in it is really foolish. And it just comes a point in a believer's life where they need to really just have some serious conversations with themselves and with the Lord. And if you just can't get to a place where unbelief and the cares of this life and the 
advice and wisdom of this world doesn't influence you more than God does, then you need to just go before Him and say, I need help with this. And sometimes it's just going to require turning away and turning off a lot of the things that are going in to these eye and ear gates, you know. If you want God, He wants you more. That's, that's a fact. That's a promise. He said in Jeremiah 29, everybody knows the, prop, the, the Scripture 11 uh, where, where He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. But He goes on to say that you will seek Me and find Me when you seek me with your whole heart. That last part, I think, is where most of us fall a little bit short. And it's tough. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. We have, we have lives to lead. We have a living to make. We have families and friends and all sorts of... The enemy is always vying for our time and affection. So it's, it has to take a concerted effort on our part to esteem God more highly than we do the world. We can only focus or magnify one thing at a time. We're like we're made kind of like a salt a seesaw. We can't we can't have faith and fear operating at the same time. It's one or the other. Now sometimes people try to walk in faith and they they got a lot of unbelief going on so they're kind of like this but it's a tug of war and and, and the Lord says, you're, you're double-minded. Don't, don't think you're going to receive anything. You know? And that's kind of a tough word, but He's just trying to help us, really. Anything God says is for our own benefit, not to, not to be mean or to harm us. He's saying, listen, it's going to take some dedication, you know? And that's not really too much to ask based on what He's done for us, is it? For... For Peter to fall into the water, God's word would have to fail. God would have to fail. And that's never going to happen. If anything he ever said was a lie, everything we know would come undone because he created everything that we, we know and see, including us, with his words, didn't he? He said, let there be this and that and the other, and, there, and it was. And he created us in his image. So, we have the same creative ability. When we speak the word in faith, we're really creating our future. Now, if the devil can get you to agree with him, he'll get you to do some creating for him too. Because he has no authority without you. He's, only, he's already been defeated. His only real trick is to lie to you and deceive you into believing that he has some sort of authority or hold on you, but he doesn't. We have to learn to speak to our mountains, what it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Speak to our mountains. Command them to move out of the way. Isn't that what he said? But what else? There's a contingency there. We have to believe that we have what we pray for when we pray, and you shall have it. Now, to the world, that's like, that is weird. I'll believe it when I see it. God says, believe it, and then you'll see it. Because if you really believe it, you'll speak it. Amen? <laughs> How do you stand on God's Word like Peter did? Hmm? 
what we talked about yesterday. That's what made me think of this, George. When you act on God's word in faith, that's that's when good things happen, right? Hmm? When we act on faith regarding the things that God tells us to do. Right? We have to listen to God. We have to believe what He says and act on it. If He tells me to walk through that wall right there, and if I take off walking... I have every reason to believe that I'm just going to go right past through that wall. Now, that's that's kind of a silly example, I guess. But now, it wouldn't benefit any of you to try to walk through that wall if God told me to walk through it, would it? Because He didn't tell you to do it. It wouldn't have benefited any of the other disciples to get out of that boat at that time either, I guarantee you. Why? Because He didn't tell them to come. He told Peter, there was enough power in that word for Peter to to do whatever the Lord said. That's why when the other time when they were crossing over and they got so excited and Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat, totally at peace, which is available to all of us. John 14, 27. But they got so excited and they began to accuse Jesus. You don't care. We're going to (laughs) die. Well, he didn't tell him go halfway and drown. He said go to the other side, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Right. So within those words was all the power and authority and provision, protection to get them to the other side. Their problem was they didn't do what he said on the night of his betrayal when he gave us that precious gift. In John fourteen twenty seven. he said, Peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. I had to make that distinction. Why? Because the world, they're Indian givers, aren't they? (laughs) In other words, I'm not going to take it back. I'm giving you my peace. But then there's a contingency. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's our part. It's always a relationship. People think whatever God wills, that's what's going to happen. That's wrong. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. But he is so holy that he holds himself accountable to his own word. And when Jesus was finished, he sat down at the right hand of the Father and he gave his authority in this world to us. And to use his name, didn't he? So when Christians to act like they don't have a part to play, I can't stand it when preachers say that, you know. I had one, well, I was sitting in a group of 5,000 one time, the preacher said, well, if you're here today, it's because... That's what God's will was. I said, that's not really true. Of course, he wants you to be in church. But he was preaching and teaching that that was his message. That God's in control. And that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? In some situations, God has taken control. When you agree with him and are standing in faith. But... The reason I hate that message is because what does it tell the guy or the gal sitting in the crack house downtown? God wants you to be here. He's teaching you something. Nonsense. That's nonsense. 
So I hate that kind of teaching. <laughs> the sovereignty of God has been taught all the way to the extreme place where it, it, it can cause people to suffer and not know any better. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, if you think God put sickness on you, or if you get putting God put divorce on you, or if God uh, put you in poverty, then why would you resist? If you love God. <laughs> See what I mean? You got to know when and who to fight. And so you got to know what's, what's God and what's not. That's why I like John 10, 10 says, uh, no, they were accusing him once again of having a demon. He said, wait a minute. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy the thief. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So there it is. Good God, bad devil. I'm like Dr. Seuss, man. He says, sometimes the answers are simple. It's the questions that are hard. <laughs> Keep it simple. When I, I always know when a, when, a, when a preacher makes things so difficult and they want you to... It's almost like they want you to think that you have to uh, kind of go through them for your relationship with God because they understand all this. And by the way, it's really just not attainable for you. That's, that's so wrong, you know. You can't have a relationship with God through... Somebody else, not a priest or anyone else like that. So don't get me started. But the <laughs> God loves everybody, and He wants us all to have a, a relationship with Him. You know, and you know if you if that's what I say about a church. You know, people say, "Oh, I'm going to come." Oh, great. You know, I'm leaving. Okay, great. I don't mean I'm happy to see you go, but it means God must have told you He wants you somewhere else. And that's where I want you. Because you don't belong to me. You belong to God. And I want you here only if, if you feel like this is a place for you to grow and to learn in God. And you feel like God has said He wants you, he wants you here. Serving and, and undergirding and helping to build. Because if you're, if you're at the church and, and you've prayed about it. And God has given you peace. Because the peace of God is our umpire, right? That's what leads us and guides us. Well, then you're as much a part of the church as I am. You know, we're all on the same bus. Yeah, I'm the driver. You can't drive. <laughs> but you definitely have a seat on the bus. You have to figure out where your seat is and, and, and go for it, you know. But, uh, but that's, that's another thing is that I think a lot, of, a lot of preachers are building kingdoms unto themselves instead of just being a part of the body of Christ and, and, uh, and uh, enjoying the ride with all the other believers and uh, knowing that we all go into the same place if we can just... Uh, Hang in there and, until the end. Amen? <clears throat> I just wanted to make this point about standing on the Word of God because I, I talk to, to a lot of people that say that they're believing. Or what we call standing on the Word of God. You know, you ask people, what are you, what are you standing on right now? What scriptures are you standing on? And I, I challenge people like that because that's, that's something that's really important. And I encourage all of you, if you hadn't really thought about that in a while and you don't really kind of do that, you know, you don't have to read 10 chapters of the Bible every day. You don't have to do anything like anybody else does, you know, but I encourage you to get started somehow. And if you just find the scriptures that pertain to something that's on your heart, maybe a heavy area, maybe a, an area where you're challenged or... Or, or, or you're believing for somebody else, find some scriptures that pertain to that, promises from God in here, because all the promises in God 
are yes and amen in Christ, right? So we just find the things that pertain to that particular item in our life, and we we just meditate on that. We we mull it over. It's like uh, that same word is like the the word that we use for for chewing the cud. You know, <laughs> I have cattle, so I think about those kind of terms. But it's just like mulling it over and over and over and getting everything out of it. You know, until. What will happen is like it happens even with with messages. I'll hear a message sometime that I've never heard preached. I'm like, man, that's powerful. You know, and it'll just hit you like that. Just, that's awesome. And then I might share part of that in a message when I come talk to you guys or, or somewhere like that. And I'll, and I'll say, you know, I heard old so-and-so and man, he, it blessed me. And he was saying how, you know, Peter did this or, or James did that or Paul said that. And then this. And this is how God looks at that, you know, or whatever it is. And I might give them credit the next time I mention it. But after a while, you know, that light has come on, that revelation of that particular part of God's word is just part of me now. And it's just like a fact. And then it belongs to me after that. I don't give them credit anymore. It's just something that I know and I've received from God. The lights have come on, you know, that revelation knowledge. And that's the same thing that happens when we take scriptures and, and things like that and we start talking to God about it and mulling it over and just reciting it, speaking it over ourselves and over others that we care about and over situations and circumstances and speaking life into dead situations, honestly. Whether it be a physical thing, a financial thing, a relational thing, or an emotional thing. The provision of God's word is there for every part of our life. There is nothing that is un, uh, that is left undone with God. And so this isn't some old irrelevant book written by men about God like some people would have you to believe. This is a book written by God through men to you about himself and about you, frankly. Amen. Amen. We talked last week about how Adam and Eve had been kicked out of the garden and those those mighty cherubs and not just little fat Valentine angels, but these are mighty warring angels and God had put that, that cherub there at the east entrance of the, the Garden of Eden to keep them out once they were ran out. And the reason was because they had their that's the seed had been corrupted in their spirit. He said, the day you eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Well, they ate of it and they lived for hundreds of years, didn't they? That that goes to what I'm talking about. Why it's so fundamentally important that we understand spirit, soul, and body that we're three-part beings because John 4.24 says, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said to the woman at the well. God is a spirit. And then he created us in his image, or they created us in their image. So we're a spirit too. So when it says in 1 Corinthians that, that, that anyone who's born again has become a new creation, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And then people go, well, I must not be saved. You know, because still, I'm, still, I'm still struggling in some areas. I still... You know, I look in the mirror. I got, I'm still, I still got the same scars I had. You know, and then my, 
my mind is still pretty mixed up, man. I think some pretty messed up stuff. So if all things are new, um, and I'm supposed to have the mind of Christ, then I guess it didn't work on me. That's because you're a spirit. And your spirit has been renewed. And now God is working on you through this word and the help of the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. To agree with God through the word. That's why the word is so fundamentally important. And it's going to get more and more important as the days go on. Because there's so much deception. So much, so many lies out there. And, 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 and it's not just like the devil comes with a cape and, and horns on. This time of year you might see him dressed up like that. Just some people uh, uh, pretending. But he's always going to come more like somebody sitting here. Or somebody standing up here. Frankly. And uh, so we know that we know that he's uh, he's heavily involved in the church. I just put it like that. There was wheat and tares growing together, and we have to we have to protect ourselves so that we know what to believe and who to believe. When God called me to to minister, I was already a grown man. And I was like Paul, you know, of all the sinners, I think I'm the worst, you know. And I, I frankly, I, I was so happy that he saved me and he really got me and I was really his, you know. My prayer was, Lord, if you'll come into my heart and my home today, I'll never ask you to leave. Mm-hmm. And I never have. And I told him, I said, I'm never going to change that. What do you want with me? There's a church on every corner and all those preachers disagree. What am I going to say? And he, he, he showed me it's not what you think. They're not what you think. I said, well, okay, but still, I, I've got a late start. And I don't know who, which one to believe. So if I'm going to do this, you have to teach me. Amen. He said, okay. So I, I guess he got the best of me. But I, if, if the word said it, that settles it for me. And not just trying to make it say what you want it to say, because we know people can do that too. I'm talking about eating the whole thing. Knowing Him. Because He is the Word made flesh. And I just know Him now. People can tell me something, I'm just like, "Mm -mm." they can throw Scripture at me, and I'm like, "Mm -mm, you're misunderstanding that. You don't know Him. There are people that I know that they can recite passages of this. They know this book. Way better than I do. They've taken it on in a scholarly fashion. Because they had every master's degree and everything else. And they just wanted to make sure no one was smarter than them regarding this. But they know the logos. They know the written word on here. But they don't, they don't have the rhema. They don't have the living now word. They don't know him. I told somebody. It's a, somebody related to me. That I loved. That's very that that person that that sort of person, and uh, just frustrated as they can be, and because of it, they turn to other things. And they, you know, I think their testimony now is the the books that have blessed them the most and taught them the most is the not just the Bible's one of them. It's like fourth on the list, but the Quran is in there and all this other stuff, and then these other psychologists and stuff like that. And I told that person a while back, several years back. Because they kept asking me questions, trying to, trying to, because it's frustrating. They really want to know when they're going through this. But they walk in pride. They can't cast aside all their accomplishments and everything and give the Lord credit for everything. So they're, they're trying to do it on their own and they're struggling mentally. And I said, you 
I believe you have the giver, but now you need the gift. You know, without the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make it. You can't do this on your own. And it's the same way with our life. Adam and Eve, they stopped being welcome in the garden because God said, now that that seed is corrupted, if they eat of the the tree of life, they'll live forever. And we can't allow that because that sin nature is there, that corrupts. So He had to lock them out and make a way back for us. And that's how Jesus finally got here and. And made a way. Thank God. Amen. But without that, we wouldn't have access. But now those same angels that were protecting that Garden of Eden are inviting us back into the Garden. The spiritual Garden of Eden that God has provided this paradise. And we are allowed to eat of the Tree of Life. Because all of us now that have Jesus, that know Him and have really been born again, According to John 3 3, we're going to live forever. And eternal life is not just waiting till we get to heaven. This is one of my biggest struggles. I, I, I'm so happy when people know they're going to go to heaven, but I see so many of them living so far below their inheritance in Christ here in this world. And He wants us to prosper in every way in our bodies, in our finances, in our emotions, in our relationships. And then, in turn, help others to do the same. He's a God of life, not of death. So anything that represents death, which poverty is one of those things, is part of the curse. And sickness is part of the curse. All those things Jesus has bore on his body on the tree, and we don't have to. But we have to believe the promises of God, apply them to our lives, and step out in faith. We have to get out of the boat. If we sit in that boat... Peter could have sat in that boat and said, I'm believing the Lord. But if he never got out of that boat, he never would have walked on the water. And there's a lot of people that I talk to that talk a good game. Oh, yeah. They'll talk about every negative thing in their life. And then they just make sure they finish off. But I'm believing God. Thank you, Jesus. And I say, no, you're not. You just prove that by everything you just said that agrees with the devil. And then you can't say... Amen on top of that, you know. Thank you, Jesus. The devil has accomplished this in my life and he's done this and the devil's so good at this is what you're saying effectively. But I love Jesus and he's good. Well, I just encourage people to to change their, their response. And the reason the word is so important is because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So in other words, whatever we really believe we're going to act on and if whatever you act on you're going to inevitably speak on amen out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so whatever we truly believe we can read the bible and there's a lot of fans like i said i used to be a fan of jesus big fan i always liked him but i didn't realize i wasn't his i didn't there was you know it's like getting married you know you might forget the date you know i don't but you might forget the date but you don't forget the event the day that he moved in with you, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's a real thing. So anyway, I'm going to stop there, but I want to encourage everybody to remember that without this word, nothing else matters. This is the only thing that's going to be left when everything else we know is gone. And uh, I have every reason to believe that it's not even going to end when we leave here. We're going to continue to 
be uh, blown away by the truths in this book forever. So anyway, let's begin to, to meditate on the things that we need from the Word of God that will apply to the, the, the areas of our life that we have need. Let's uh, seek others for, for counsel and prayer in those things. And let's just make God first in our lives again and uh, become so strong that, uh, that the devil will never have a place in our lives. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this day and for your love and for your word. Thank you for these simple reminders, this simple lesson today, just how important and how powerful your words are. And help us to have a passionate desire for you, Lord Jesus, and your word. And to set aside some of the things that tangle us up and uh, hinder us in this life and make more time for you to give you the first part of our day, first part of our lives and the best part of everything that we are and watch as you begin to make more time for us and make the crooked places straight and provide for all of our needs in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Awesome.